0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is a podcast from WOR. Hey, welcome to the Jesse Kelly Show. But guess what? This ain't Jesse Kelly. Nope. Sorry, Jesse's out. We had to, we had to, um, well, it's sad to say, but we had to put him in a straight jacket and haul him away. But we think enough medication, he might be okay tomorrow. So, but we'll wait and see. My name's Michael Brown. Uh, I filled in for uh, Jesse before. I have a nationally syndicated weekend show that you can hear uh, on about 350 stations around the country. And then I do a morning drive show in Denver, Colorado, on 630 KH from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., in case you want to listen to that during the weekday. And let's see what else you need to know about me. Let's see, I'm the former Undersecretary for Homeland Security under President George W. Bush. I'm heck of a job, Brownie. And um, I've been doing radio for about 17 years now. And I'm, I'm pleased and honored to be filling in for Jesse Kelly. I'll try to live up to his standards. Um, but, you know, who's, who's talking about standards? Who cares about standards? Now I've got some rules of engagement. For those of you that listen to me normally during the weekdays or on the weekend, you know what, you know what my rules of engagement are. But let me tell you what they are anyway. If, if you want to interact with me during the program, the easiest way to do that is to send me a text message. And we use short messaging service, SMS. So you can text the word Mike or Michael to this number, 33103-33103. At any time during the program, if I'm saying something you disagree with, or if I, and my brain tends to, uh, to be way ahead of where my mouth is. So sometimes I say things that like, like the other day, I was talking about the uh, four fifths compromise of the United States Constitution. And I kept saying, you know, when we were counting, you know, blacks as two thirds of us, you know, the citizens. And I just kept saying two thirds because I just, I don't have two thirds of my brain. So if I say stupid stuff like that, you're free to call me out on it. Even though I may, well, just ignore your text message. No, feel free to text me at any time. Text the word Mike to thirty three one oh three. The other thing you can do if you want to if you want to learn learn more about my weekend show or you want to learn more about my weekday show, you want to read my bio or anything else, we have a pretty easy you know, iHeart has all these crazy websites. iHeart.com slash blah 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 slash blah 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 blah. Well we fixed all of that. So if you want to find out more about me, find my podcast, do all of that, here's the website. Michael says go Michael says, com." So let's get started uh, Tonight, uh, a, a monumental historical event unlike any other that's ever occurred will occur tonight, and, and let me just let me give you a preview of what it will be like First the doors will open to the well of the House of Representatives in the United States Capitol and the Sergeant at Arms will announce Ladies and gentlemen the President of the United States of America And for those of you from Houston, Texas, from Jesse's hometown, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee will be the first person you see. Because Sheila Jackson Lee, since probably about noon today, has found an aisle seat where where the president will walk down the aisle to give this stupid State of the Union speech, and she'll make sure two things occur. She shakes the hand of the president, and she turns and smiles for the camera. (laughs) It's like, I don't know, high school graduation or something. It's so stupid. So that's how it starts out. The house, the, the sergeant of arms will announce, "Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States of America." And everybody will jump to their feet, and they'll all applaud. I mean, even even the even the Republicans at this point will stand up and and they will applaud. And the president will make his way down to the bottom of the well of the house. He'll be shaking hands and he's smiling. They've got him pumped full of B twelve and I don't know methamphetamines or something to keep him awake. You know this late at night, and so he'll make it all the way down there. And when he gets all the way down, he'll turn and he'll, he'll acknowledge the Supreme Court justices, if any of them show up. Well, the Chief Justice probably will and a few others. And let's see, he'll acknowledge, uh, maybe, uh, the few members of his cabinet. He won't shake their hands. He'll just acknowledge. He'll just, you know, just kind of give them that look. Like, yeah, I know you're here and you're, you're, I'm the president and you're not. And then he'll shake hands with, um, let's see, he'll walk, he'll walk up. And of course, our wonderful Vice President Kamala Harris will be there. And so will Kevin McCarthy the new speaker of the house. So he'll hand them his giant folders with his speech in it. You know with his 8-hour speech uh he'll hand those to to both the he'll hand one to the clerk of the house, he'll hand one to the vice president, he'll hand one to the speaker. Now because it's Kevin McCarthy I don't think I hope not uh Kevin McCarthy will not open the speech up and they rip it apart like N- Nancy Pelosi. So 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 far you got it, down. You got it? And then the president will turn, and the speaker will gavel the, the chambered orders. And the speaker will then say, members of the House and Senate and honored guests, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States of America. Once again, now, they've already been told it's the president of the United States of America, and they all recognize, hey, it's Joe Biden. He's the president of the United States. But they'll all stand. They'll all jump to their feet again and applaud again. And now we're thirty minutes into the deal, and not one damn thing's been said. And then the president will smile. He have that, you know, that goofy little smile he has that goes like from earlobe to earlobe. He'll do that smile, and then he'll open his book, and he'll start. Uh, he'll he'll let's see, let me think. What, what order will it be? Here's the order. I think I got this down. I've, I've been to these stupid things before. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, they're the worst things in the world you have to go to. And he'll he will um he'll first turn because he'll want to smile at Kamala. And Kamala will give that little smile like she's so happy because she's she's the vice president and she doesn't do a damn thing, but she's so happy to be there. Oh, she's so cool. And he'll turn to her and he'll say, uh, Madam Vice President. He'll turn to Kevin McCarthy. He'll say, Mr. Speaker. Then he'll turn and he'll say, members of the court, members of my cabinet, cabinet, Members of the House, members of the Senate, honored guests, the state of the union sucks. No, no, no. He won't say that. He'll say this, ladies and gentlemen, the state of the union is wonderful. It's fantastic. He'll say, and then every, once again, now for the third or fourth time, everybody will jump to their seat, you know, jump out of their seats, except this time the Republicans will stay seated. You see, I'm saving you all this time. You don't have to do anything tonight. This, the, the Republicans will stay seated. They might do a little golf clap, you know, whatever, whatever. And the Repu- the Democrats will be cheering and hooting and hollering, and it'll be on and the and the applause will go on. And you know, and the president will be see, he'll be like thinking to himself, "Where, where am I? What am I doing here?" Oh yeah, yeah, stay the union speech, stay the union speech. This is an American farce. The Democrats will jump up and down all night long. There'll be a couple of times maybe like in the introduction of somebody in the audience because everybody has to Everybody has to bring a guest. Everybody has to bring a special guest so that they can be acknowledged. And then those people will get a standing ovation. And then every time the president says something Democrats like, they'll stand up. Everything, every time the president says something that the Democrats like, the Republicans don't like, they won't stand up. There'll be applause for every – like the president will say four words and there'll be applause. And, and that takes up 90% of the content of the entire State of the Union speech. So, and, and there are also all sorts of bingo games. Uh, you can find bingo, bingo games online. Will he say this? Will he do that? You know, blah, blah, blah. So whatever. Uh, play a bingo game. Don't drink tequila to play your bingo game because you will be soused within the first five minutes of the program. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've done that. Now, let me tell you the other little secret that goes on. There will be one cabinet member there that is at an undisclosed location. Well, it's not really undisclosed. Everybody kind of knows where it is, but I can't say where it is because it's undisclosed. But he'll be at this undisclosed location. I've been at that undisclosed location when I was the undersecretary because after going through to about because there's all this stuff that goes behind the scenes at a State of the Union speech. There, you you first you got you've got a cap put over Washington D.C. So there's a NOTAM. Well, you can't really fly a private aircraft over D.C. anyway. But there'll be a tam, a no-fly zone, a notice to airmen. Can you say notice to airmen anymore? I think that's been outlawed. But anyway, there'll be a notice to airmen, a tam. that's there's no-fly zone, so no commercial aircraft anywhere. There'll be F-22s, F-16s, whatever, flying a cap all over Washington, D.C. There will be, and I'm not exaggerating, what you won't see behind the scenes is an, an, an extraordinary security apparatus because you have every member that shows up of the House and the Senate, all the cabinet members probably save one, and then a few Supreme Court justices, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, let's see, who else will be there? Well, you know, just a bunch of congressmen and senators, but you know, who cares about that? Um, so there's this huge security apparatus. It's incredibly costly. The whole apparatus started being, putting, being put in place weeks ago, and it culminates... At uh, nine Eastern tonight, there are in the. I, I don't think I'm giving away my class. You know, maybe I'm violating my. I got classified documents here somewhere. Um, in the basement, there's an entire medical staff available. There is an entire evacuation process established. There is everything. So all of the continuity of operation programs, the the coop programs that keep government running all the continuity of government programs that keep government running all these black ops programs go into operation and are are in operation as we speak so that's the beginning of the state of the union speech now the history of the state of the union speech and why it's an anachronism coming up next it's michael brown filling in for jesse kelly don't hang up just cuz jesse kelly's not here i promise to try to make it entertaining i'll be right back jesse kelly Back soon. So this is, this is the Jesse Kelly show. This is not Jesse Kelly. Jesse Kelly doesn't want to be me, and I don't want to be Jesse Kelly. This is Michael Brown. I'm a radio host in Denver, Colorado. I have a morning drive program, and I do a nationally syndicated weekend show called The Weekend with Michael Brown, which you can find by simply going to this website, michaelsaysgohere.com, and you can find a list of the affiliates. You can also find my weekday program, just in case you want to tune in during the weekdays. So I told you that one of the things you can do is you can send me a text message, and I call my listeners goobers, and that's a term of endearment. Now don't I know some people are like, well, like eh, just bite me. It's a term of endearment. So go and I referred my goobers by the last four numbers of their of their of their uh, telephone numbers. So goober number sixty five twenty five just texted me and said, Mike, I'll be watching reruns of Designated Survivor and Dreaming. <laughs> Or this one, Goober number uh, 4964. Mike Bravo was not going to watch anyway. Waste of time. But speaking of designated survivor. So Jesse has a producer, but I don't know whether Chris, do they know who you are. So they got Jesse. Yeah. Do they, they, do you, do you ever talk on air? You don't talk on air. Jesse, I mean, Jesse should let you talk on air because you had a brilliant question during the break and it, it was like something about designated survivor. And that reminded me, and so I told Chris about what the true designated survivor is. So let me tell you about the designated survivor. That's the one member of the president's cabinet that has, trust me, has the best deal of anybody. He doesn't have to listen to the damn speech. He doesn't have to go through all the security measures. He doesn't have to show up an hour ahead of time, even though he's a member of the cabinet, and sit there and wait for the boss to show up. He doesn't have to do any of that. And, in fact, the Secret Service, because he's he is now the designated survivor, the Secret Service has put him in in a limo or in the Beast, or, or probably not the Beast because the Beast is used for the president tonight. But they put him in an SUV, and they've driven him out to an undisclosed location in West Virginia. You can figure what it is by just probably Googling West Virginia undisclosed location because there was a plane wreck there one time. Everybody knows about it, but I'm afraid to say it. That member of the cabinet goes to this secret location that we maintain, and at that secret location, ahead of time, he has told the White House mess, Hey, listen, and I, I remember this specifically because I went out there one time just to make sure that my staff was doing everything they needed to do, and I wanted to see that side of the operation as opposed to the operation that was going on at the U.S. Capitol. So I I had my my security detail take me out to that undisclosed location. And I took the elevators down to that particular level, and it's the level where the president is taken in case of a national emergency. And I found the presidential suite and went in, and (laughs) there was the designated survivor, this member of Bush's cabinet, who had his wife and three children there, and they had ordered – Everything you could possibly imagine. Now, the kids, of course, wanted every kind of candy or every kind of cookie that, that the, it, trust me, the White House mess can make anything. They were having like bone in ribeyes, twice baked potatoes, Caesar salad. I don't know, a nice Pinot Noir, maybe a nice, uh, you know, a Chardonnay from the Russian River Valley. They, they were living it up. The TV was on, but it was on mute. <laughs> That's what the designated survivor does and the designated survivors out there so that just in case the chinese which the chinese would never do this but just in case the chinese float a giant helium balloon uh... say from beijing across the Aleutian islands across alaska through canada down through montana and then over the national capital region and explode a, a nuclear device to create an emp i mean just in in case that might happen because we all know that the Chinese don't know how to float a balloon. Just in case that happens, then you have someone who can immediately be sworn in uh, by uh, by anybody, uh, anybody with, you know, a, a judge or anybody, and become the next president of the United States because everybody else has been decapitated. So tonight, as the audience, particularly those who have to be there, are suffering through this insufferable process that we go through, I want you to think about that designated survivor. Because it's real, and it's one hell of a deal. It is one hell of a deal. But let's talk about this speech itself. Because for those of you who have listened to me over the years in Denver, every time the State of the Union speech comes up, I have to give a little history lesson. So now that I've got this Jesse Kelly audience, now you get to suffer through the history lesson. And I want to start out by just saying it does not have to be this way. President George Washington, do you do you know who he is? Do you remember him? The found the founding father, the father of the country? He combined the what was originally originally called the inaugural address with the annual message, as it was called, on april thirtieth, seventeen eighty nine. He actually read that address to a joint session of Congress in the Senate chamber at Federal Hall in New York City. Washington delivered his first regular annual message to a joint session of Congress in New York again on January 8, 1790. But here's my hero. My hero is Thomas Jefferson. Now, I know it's Black History Month, and I know that a lot of people don't like Thomas Jefferson because, well, you know, he and Sally, what's her name? Eh, you know, whatever. But here's why Thomas Jefferson is my hero. Thomas Jefferson began the practice of sending separate written speeches or annual messages to the House and Senate with his first one on December 8, 1801. We have email. We have FaceTime. We have Zoom meetings. We don't have to do this bullcrap. Let's stop the insanity. Can we? Let's stop the insanity. The next president that says, I'm going to send an email with a PDF to all the members of Congress and to the, to the press, that's my new hero. Hey, you're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Michael Brown filling in for Jesse. We don't know where Jesse is. We don't know. We'll try to find him, and we'll, we'll, we'll put him back sometime. In the meantime, let's have some fun. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to The Jesse Kelly Show. Michael Brown filling in for Jesse Kelly. You want to find out who the hell I am? Go to this website, Michael Michael Says michaelsaysgohere.com. michaelsaysgohere.com. You want to send me a text message during the program, just text the word Mike or Michael to 33103, 33103. I read them all the time. Um, Woodrow Wilson who is the father of modern progressive politics Woodrow Wilson is responsible for basically the 17th amendment and screwing up the perfect symmetry of what the founding fathers put together in the U.S. Constitution and Woodrow Wilson of course would just happen to be the same guy that screwed up the State of the Union every president from Thomas Jefferson Until Woodrow Wilson delivered the State of the Union as an annual message to Congress, an annual report. You know, like if you're a, if you're a shareholder in a company, a publicly traded company in particular, you get, you get your annual report. Well, this is all, this is all the Constitution calls for. The United States Constitution does not say that the President of the United States has to go through all this pomp and circumstance. And let me tell you, the cost of the security apparatus that you don't see tonight is astronomical. It's time-consuming. It consumes a lot of manpower. And if we can't can't detect, or, or we don't want to tell anybody about, a Chinese balloon floating across, hmm, maybe we shouldn't have everybody in the same building all at the same time just saying so thomas jefferson all the way to woodrow wilson did what the constitution said and that is you know the president shall from time to time provide an annual report to the to the congress on the state of the union that's all he has to do it's like it's like uh, a report card it's like uh, an annual report that's all that it is but woodrow wilson being the freaking stupid progressive that he is decided to deliver in person to to a joint session of Congress on December 2nd, 1913. He had already delivered three special messages to Congress in person earlier that year on tariffs, bank reform, and Mexican affairs. I don't know if it was about Mexican food or what, but something about Mexican affairs. But then he decided, yeah, that's not good enough. I think I'll go up there again and deliver State of the Union. Now, some presidents have sent a written annual message or state of the union address rather than delivering in person. Calvin Coolidge, Herbert Hoover, even FDR did it in two years, 1944, and 1945. Truman did it in 46 and 53. Eisenhower did it in 56 and 61. Even Richard Nixon did it in 1973. And then Jimmy Carter. Bless old p picking Jimmy Carter's heart. Jimmy Carter did it in 1981. This does not have to be this way. But let me tell you why I got such a bugaboo about the State of the Union address. There needs to be a recognition. This is why all the old farts in Congress and all the old farts running for president need to step aside. Now, I say that as a boomer myself. It's time for the boomers to step aside. It's time for a generational shift in American politics. I want a president that's, oh, I don't know, 40, 45 years old? Hell's bells or something, 35, whatever the, you know, minimum requirements. How about that? As opposed to a 78-year-old or a 76-year-old or an 82-year-old? No, I just, I don't want it anymore. And if if you happen to just be stupid enough to listen to the State of the Union dress tonight, which I have to do after I finish Jesse's show because i got to talk about it tomorrow morning, You will notice that nobody, nobody talks that way. My 92-year-old mom does not talk that way. My 4-year-old granddaughter does not talk that way. My 17-year-old grandson and my 14-year-old granddaughter don't talk that way. I don't talk that way. Do you know anybody that talks that way? Only people that read off the teleprompter. I think we ought to outlaw teleprompters. If you cannot speak on your own, if you cannot speak, uh, you know what? Let me let me dial that back a little bit. Let's get rid of teleprompters. But if you need a note card to tell me what you think about something, then okay, have at it. But can you imagine? Would you listen to any radio program or any podcast, or for that matter, maybe this is why people don't listen? mainly to the network news anymore. Not just because it's biased and one-sided, but because what are the anchors doing? They're reading from a teleprompter. Let's see. Let me just, let me find a random story. I was going to talk about eggs in California. Here's an opinion piece from the Wall Street Journal. Let me deliver this as part of the State of the Union address. I'm just, I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal. California is special. Yay! Yay! Everybody stands up and applauds and claps because everybody loves California, right? And then then, it dies down and then I have to repeat the line again because nobody knows where I was. California is special as it routinely proves. The latest example is the price of eggs which have reached upward of $7 Seven dollars for a carton, as I mean nobody is so stifled. Tell me what you tell me. You know, you want know Mr. President. Now look, I work for George W. Bush, who many people think wasn't very smart. George W. Bush was one of the smartest individuals I've ever known in my entire life. He was he was brilliant, and I also liked him because he was a smartass, total smartass. But Bush, even though he mangled the now King's speech, no longer the Queen's speech, God rest her soul, even though he would mangle the King's speech, when he spoke without a Sans teleprompter, he might have used a note card, but he might have also used a notebook with a, writ- a type written speech in it. But I've watched him on Air Force One take that speech and mark it up and change it and put it in his own words and change everything else and then stand at a podium and pretty much say what he wanted to say anyway. Now, sometimes it got him in trouble. But I'd rather have a president tell me from his heart what he believes the State of the Union is rather than to sit up there and read a bunch of crap that you know how the State of the Union is put together? You know, actually that, that's probably a good story to tell too. Because the, as the former undersecretary and the director of FEMA, I had a part in the State of the Union speech. Because what happens is the, the speech, the the, the main speechwriter will sit down with the president you know, this is, this is weeks and weeks ago. And, you know, your state of the union speech is coming at Mr. President. What are the themes that you want to talk about? Give me some ideas. What, what do you want to do? Uh, I want to talk about, you know, the economy and I want to talk about Ukraine. I want to talk about, uh, you know, the Green New Deal. And, and that's just the beginning. Oh, that's just the beginning. Wait till I tell you the process that that speech goes through before you hear it tonight. You talk about a bureaucratic mumbo jumbo. Another behind-the-scenes look at the State of the Union next. You're listening to the Oracle. You're gonna love this one. It's a scream, baby. The-, the Jesse Kelly Show. Michael Brown filling in. But as I said, for the break, the the development and the writing of the State of the Union speech is a modern miracle of bureaucracy. Because the, speech, the head speechwriter goes into the Oval Office and sits down with the president and says, hey, you've got to give the State of the Union speech in three or four weeks. So tell me the broad themes you themes that you want to cover. And so they go through that, and then the speechwriter may ask the president, so are there any specific things that you want to make sure that we put in there? And that begins the very first draft. Speechwriter puts together a draft of the speech with those broad themes, and any specific things the president wanted in it. The president signs off on that. And then that goes to the larger array of staffers in the West Wing. And then it goes from that back to the president again. He marks it up again. Uh, things are added. Some are taken out. It's refined. And then it goes out to the departments and agencies. So in, in my job... Part of my role before Homeland Security was stood up as the director of FEMA, because of my direct relationship with the president, I got a pre-draft of the State of the Union speech, and I got to mark it up. Is there anything you want to add? Is there anything that you think we ought to include? Is there anything that we're missing? Is there anything that, that you know, that you would want to comment on that you think is misworded or, you know, ba- basically everybody becomes an editor. So the cabinet secretaries are they're generally their, their deputy secretaries or an undersecretary will get assigned that job. With Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, they may actually do it themselves. But all the other cabinet members will, you know, push it off on somebody else because they don't care. Then that goes back to the Office of Management and Budget. Once everybody in in the cabinet has looked at it, it goes back to OMB, and OMB then puts and makes certain that all of the facts and figures and everything else are not correct. Listen closely. Are they spinnable? Are they numbers that we can rationalize, numbers that we can, for example, on my way into the studio, I happened to listen to Neil Cavuto talking to one of Biden's White House economic advisors, and Neil Cavuto was trying to point out that the jobs numbers is actually inflated because they're claiming, you know, they've created 12 million jobs. And even the Bureau of Labor Statistics has pointed out that of those 12 million jobs, some 10 million of those are not new jobs. Those are jobs that just existed before the pandemic that have come back. And the White House economic advisor would have nothing to do with that. Now you're just trying to blow fog over good economic news. No, even your own agency says that out of 12 million new jobs, 10 million of or whatever, whatever the number is, are actually just old jobs that came back. So the Office of Management and Budget goes through that speech again, with a fine-toothed comb to make certain that whatever facts and figures are thrown out there, that whoever could, because tomorrow or the day after, the cabinet, at your expense, they'll fly off hither and yon to all four corners of this country. The president will start off on a tour, although I think he's actually going on vacation. Most presidents start going on a tour, because the State of the Union speech is their opportunity at taxpayer expense to go out and fly, say, to Denver or to go to Houston or to go to Los Angeles or go somewhere else and to talk about the administration's, you know, program to do X, Y, Z. And they've got to be able to spend whatever it is that the president said. And that's what OMB checks. And so after all of that, then that final draft goes back to the president. He probably got that final draft yesterday he marked it up, they changed it again and I although I don't know whether Biden would do this because I don't know I don't know that he has the mental capacity to do this quite honestly. but Bush would read the State of the Union speech in the Beast on the way from the South Lawn up to the entrance of the US Capitol on the north side and he might mark things up there. And actually change a few things at the last minute. Not a lot, but there might be little changes here or there that he might want to add in. Maybe notes to himself about, you know, underline something or circle something right here to the side, be sure and mention whatever. I don't sure that Biden has that capability, but that's because he's old and feeble and mush-brained. So there you have this the State of the Union. So tonight you'll watch an anachronistic I don't know vestige of Woodrow Wilson and progressive politics that needs to go away. It truly just needs to go away. The sad part is if, and I don't know what's on network television tonight, and I don't even know what's on the, well, I do know what's on some of the cable shows tonight, but unless you go to Netflix or you go to one of the non-network channels or you go to one of the cable movie channels or Free V or whatever you might go to or you go to YouTube, the average American voter that just sits mush-brained, letting osmosis feed him or her, whatever comes out of the boob tube, the only thing to watch tonight will be this stupid thing. That will be it. The networks will preempt everything. And the great thing about networks preempting everything is that it is uh, 4.54 mountain time. So it's now six fifty four East Coast time. And all the things are in motion. Sheila Jackson Lee has got her seat. She's waiting to shake the hand of the president. And this pomp and circumstance bull crap will start at nine PM Eastern. And nobody cares. People will stream Netflix, they'll go to Hulu, they'll do something, whatever it is. And then afterwards. Everybody, every congressman is looking for a cable news camera because they'll be set up everywhere. And everybody wants to get on the TV. We are so, I mean, TV has become the, I don't know, the shiny white light that we all hope to go to when we die. That's how bad it is. The State of the Union speech delivered by a dawdling old fool that quite frankly, I don't think has the stamina to deliver it tonight, except the White House physician has probably pumped him up so much full of vitamin b twelve and probably some green jello to uh make him just hyper enough tonight just enough sugar high to last I don't know I wonder how many words it is it's already it's already out I think the speech is already out I don't know whether I don't know whether it's embargoed until um 7 o'clock Eastern or, or when, but at some point, all the networks, all the news people, everybody will have a copy of the speech before it's delivered. Okay, well, then why are we presenting it? If the networks have it, why don't you just instead of putting it in a speech form, why don't you put it in a memo form? Because you're sending it out to everybody ahead of time anyway, even if it's embargoed until 9 p.m. Eastern time, still just send a PDF and tell you what, we'll look at it tomorrow morning or not. Probably not. The State of the Union in 2023. You know, I'd be curious. In one word, text one word to Mike at 33103 and you tell me what you think the State of the Union is. It doesn't have to be FCC compliant. Because this is not, it won't be on the airwaves. But just text the word Mike or Michael to 33103, and you tell me what you think the State of the Union is. How about that? Hey, you're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Michael Brown filling in. You want to find out about more about me, go to this website, michaelsaysgohere.com. Take a break and I'll be on the see you on the other side. Don't go away. This has been a podcast from WOR. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and